Hey, Jags aren't losing this weekend, though. They're not losing. Oh, my God. Oldest joke in the book, man. I want to beat the Ravens, dude. Fuck that shit. I want to beat the Ravens. <laughs> well, go Jags. Beat the Ravens. <laughs> Welcome to The Drunken Jaguar. This is an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. My name is Bentley Brown, and I'm joined via call by co-host Asad Asan. Lay it on us, man. How are you feeling now? The Jaguars are 3-7 and seven after losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, Bentley, I don't feel great about it. I, um, you tried to convince me we would beat the Chiefs, and I didn't really buy it, but I still tried to believe didn't work Jags fall and then on top of that the Broncos just totally blow one against the Titans I don't even know how man just uh the Titans tried to give them the game too they just had a few big plays which really sprung them over the top and that made it hurt 10 times worse because I had a feeling the Jaguars would lose but if the Titans could lose it would give us a little bit of hope I would say and I think that's gone now I, I think football mattering during thanksgiving that's that's not gonna happen anymore and the only hope we have is tonight to hear recording on a thursday and thursday night football the packers play the titan if the packers can beat the titans we have maybe hope but i doubt it it's a weird feeling right now because we're theoretically not out of competition i mean our way to make the playoffs would be to make it through the division and the titans would need to collapse and we'd have to beat them twice and we'd have to start winning some other games. We have to string together some games. And it's going to probably take a miracle game against the Ravens to get that going. The Chiefs game, uh, you remember what I thought. I thought we were going to pull it off. I thought all the things were in place for a little Jaguars upset. And sadly enough, even though pretty much as, as much that could go our way went our way, we, we just didn't get it done. And we, we fail to capitalize, especially on turnovers. I mean, I'm sure people have already heard time and again that we won the turnover battle 3-0, to zero, and we did not turn the ball over ourselves. We started the game off with an onside kick, which we recovered. It happened so fast. I was streaming through the NFL International Game Pass with, like, my uh, India account and VPN through, like, Norway or some shit. And and there's like a which means sometimes you know there's a little bit of a, a lag in in uh, streaming speed, <laughs> and it happened so fast that that I saw the the team like you know like jogging to approach the ball for the kickoff, <laughs> and then I saw the Jaguars recovering the ball. <laughs> there's a little like blip in the middle there, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Uh, but man, what? How did you feel when we when we kicked the onside kick? Tell me what was going through your mind, and how, how did you feel afterwards? I was like, I think we're gonna win this game. I I, I like the onside kick. That, that was a, a tricky play, but you know, I think they started their first three possessions and. Chiefs territory and they weren't able to make anything of those drives which that can't happen man if you're starting your opponent's territory three straight times you got to be able to capitalize at least once we saw some missed kicks from Riley Patterson and you're right everything kind of went our way I would say like right before half they fumbled and gave us another three-point opportunity those field goals could have been pretty big actually when you look back at the game and they really just couldn't get off the field. And it didn't matter if it was third and whatever. You knew Pat Mahomes was going to convert on it. The field position thing is crazy because I feel like the Jaguars got great field position. 
And the Chiefs were getting pretty bad field position. They were starting pretty deep in their own end on some possessions, and they would just go right down the field. And it wouldn't take them long either. You know, they would get it done in two, two minutes. They would get it done in like five plays. It's just – we're going to say – we're going to sound like a broken record, but, you know, it's a young team, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna grow from this, and it's good to play good teams like this. And it's going to be another learning lesson against the Ravens, I think, because imagine trying to st- stop Lamar Jackson now. So – they are the most talented team in the division, but I don't think they are the best, and I don't think they're ready. Just, I just want to read out to you the Jaguars' possessions in this game. I'll ask you something after I do that. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right, so we've got the Jaguars. First uh, possession was that onside kick recovery. Uh, they went five plays and punted. The next possession, uh, we went four plays and punted. Possession after that, a punt. Then we had our first missed field goal. This one was from 51 yards out. Okay, so at this point, the Jaguars are still scoreless. Now, the Chiefs only had one touchdown at this point. So, you know, it still felt like a close-ish game. But then the Chiefs get the ball in the next possession. Kadarius Toney gets a 32-yard gain, and then they have a Valdez-Scantling touchdown pass after that. So now now the Chiefs are starting to pull away. Jaguars' next two possessions are punts until we finally, finally are able to score a touchdown at the end of the half. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, too. It's 20-7 to here. And you've attempted to feel kind of out of it, but the Chiefs fumble on the kickoff return. The Jaguars recover it easily within field goal range and miss from 41 yards out. Pretty depressing at that point. Could have been 20 to 10, could have been 20 to 13, but instead it's a two score game, 20 to 7. Now we come out in the first half, field goal. Finally, we make a field goal, but the Chiefs answer with a touchdown. Jaguars punt then. Uh, the Chiefs get picked off. This is so Cisco is a theme of this game. Andre Cisco, I touched base with one of my Chiefs fans. He said that Patrick Mahomes' interception to Cisco, he was actually specifically targeting Cisco for for Cisco's head hunting. It's kind of like a revenge target, but Cisco picked it off. I don't know. I don't know how true that is. But the Jaguars finally are able to capitalize at this point, 27-17, but don't get the ball back. So, I mean, how, what kind of a taste does this game leave in your mouth? Are there any good things looking forward? Is there any sign that we're getting there and we're actually going to string some wins together this season? It feels like we're getting there, right? It just feels like they just don't know how to win games yet. And that's what comes with the young team. You do see some bright spots. I mean, Lawrence looked pretty good, you know, in some spots. Chris Jones was just wrecking the offensive line for the Jaguars. So Trevor Lawrence was in trouble back there, but him and Kirk, they were on the same page. I think that's going to be a good connection for them, especially next year. And I think with Calvin Ridley, man, this offense is going to be really explosive. I think it's going to be a lot like what you're seeing in Miami over there with two speedsters with Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It's, you're going to have Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. There's a lot of speed on this team, man. I, I think they have that kind of offensive potential. You already know they have the explosive run game too. So I'm honestly feeling pretty good about the Jaguars. I know it kind of sucks right now sitting here and we talk about the same crap every every year, but I feel good about it. I think Ridley was just a huge move, and we know Christian Kirk is legit now. I, I think he's proven himself. Our tight ends, we have depth at tight ends, so I think we're okay there. And our offensive line, I think, has been average, you know, but, you know, they'll get better too. So bad taste in my mouth. But there's still a lot of games left, too. I think even if they don't make the playoffs, if they could beat the Titans twice, 
that would be huge. And it would give them that confidence next year too. Like, hey, we can beat this team. We're not just going to get uh, knocked around by this team every single year, you know, because they think it's two easy wins, I'm sure. I'm sure that's what all Giants fans think. And you got to beat Houston next time you play them too because these divisional games are big and you got to either split them or win both. You just cannot go 0-2 in your division. Woo! All right, it's a lot. It's a lot on our shoulders right now. Speaking of a lot, though, I do want to do a bit of our uh, cue the music statsturbation here and project some stats for for the season. Because we, we do finally, it looks like, I mean, fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever. It looks like we have a 1,000-yard receiver and a 1,000-yard rusher on the team. So do you want to hear some stats, some, some projections for the rest of the season? I guess first things first, Trevor Lawrence, who people were talking about his games with a passer rating above 100. Now he's on pace to set a Jaguars record for that this year. So overall, solid play. I would say not making as many attempts down the field, further down the field as you'd like. Part of this seems to be the type of game uh, we're calling these days. So Trevor, Trevor at the moment has completed 227 passes out of 348 attempts he's at 65 percent completion rate for 2334 yards now he's on pace for 3967 yards so really 4000 yard season i think he'll get there I, for, I, is it like a new level though because you know 4000 yard season is good for a quarterback but i feel like it was considered good when it was a 16 game season i think it changed a, a little bit with the 17 game season a little bit i mean my beard takeaway from this is that the with the, given the nature of the game changing and a, a lot more passing yards on average or so it seems the 4,000 is the new 3,000 yeah okay yeah I agree you know so yeah at some point it might be 4,500s and new 4,000 I think we're pretty comfortable I mean 4,000 is like okay this guy's a passer you know this guy can get it done yeah yeah and he's projecting here we got 22 touchdowns and then 10 picks that that's a good season yeah it's not a superstar or anything, but that's it's a good quarterback. Yeah, for sure. All right, so then uh, move on to rushing. Definitely a bright spot. Travis Etienne has really taken off even more after the departure of James Robinson just a, a few short weeks ago. Etienne has 725 yards at the moment on 131 attempts. That's averaging 5.5 yards per carry, which is fantastic. He only has four touchdowns, and we were talking about this. He should have more receiving right he should have a couple more <laughs> um but that's that's where he's at right now so he's he's on pace for 1233 yards seven <laughs> and seven touchdowns on the season that's good that is so that's like superstar that's elite level and that's the guy wasn't even playing in the beginning of the season he was barely splitting carries he was he wasn't barely even splitting him he was getting like six carries seven carries a game first couple games hell yeah yeah, yeah, it's solid, right? He's he's not. It's not like he has like a big start and then tapers off like a lot of backs might during the season. It's just like he's he's just continually increasing. It's kind of fun to watch. <laughs> All right, receiving's pretty pretty sweet, man. Not gonna lie here. So Christian Kirk, of course, on that his contested contract, he's got fifty two catches for six hundred seventy nine yards and seven touchdowns at the moment. He's on pace for eighty eight catches, eleven hundred fifty four yards, and twelve TDs. That's the touchdowns is incredible for one. So that that would be a lot of if he finishes with twelve touchdowns, anything above ten, I think, is is pretty damn good. For a wide receiver, I think anything above a thousand. If you get to eleven hundred, twelve hundred, you're probably really good. And if you're a thirteen, fourteen hundred yard guy, you, you know, you're you're elite 
you're that guy. And, you know, sometimes the catches, mm, they matter, but they don't. But 88, that, that would be incredible. So I would say that's a pretty great season for him in year one. 88. Uh, 1,150 yards and 12 TDs reminds me of some uh, Des Bryant numbers. Yeah. Even though they're entirely different receivers. So, And Des, Des Bryant for the Cowboys was someone that you don't question his importance to the team. And I think the touchdown <laughs> number usually reinforces that. So, All right, Zay Jones is our person we've, we haven't really talked about in terms of total production here as a receiver, he's he's yeah he's just five catches behind Christian Kirk right now. So Zay Jones is on pace for eighty catches, but only seven hundred nine yards, and and he only has one touchdown on the season. Not not a bad season, you know. I actually made like a friendly bet with somebody that he would have eight hundred yards receiving this year. So I need him to step it up a little bit. <laughs> All right, and then Dan Arnold's production has gone way down from the the few games that he played last year. So he's He's caught seven out of the eight targets he's gotten, right? He just hasn't been really been used that much. He's only got 113 yards in the season. So so I, I say that to kind of like a grain of salt on Evan Ingram. I think Evan Ingram's production is really nice, but we just really haven't seen much of Dan Arnold as a receiver. I think they're all screens too. Yeah. <laughs> and Evan Ingram is he's gonna he's projected to have 61 catches for almost 600 yards and maybe a couple TDs on the season. He's only got one right now. He should have, too. They called one back because Cam Robinson was uh, in the tunnel on that illegal man downfield. <laughs> yep. So I, Evan Ingram's been – I think he's been a bright spot. Nice. All right. Well, that's that's what I got for offense. Now, on defense, I don't any, I mean, I don't even know if we can project. The, the numbers are so – they're so low. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to hear the projections of the sacks or anything. I mean, but some some exce- some exceptions here might might be things like, you know – can can Cisco finish off the season with like five five or six picks? I mean that would be be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Devin Lloyd and Tyson Campbell each have a couple picks, so they're kind of on pace for for something there. And then sack totals, our pressure has just been largely non-existent, or even when we do reach the quarterback, we're rarely getting the quarterback down. So sack totals, I mean, Trevon Walker might wind up with four sacks here on the year. Josh Allen, maybe five. Dwayne Smoot is leading the team already with five. That's thanks to a couple in the last game. So if Smoot can can get close to double digits, at least we have someone with a leading respectable uh, sack lead there. But man, just really underproducing. That pass rush is terrible. It's actually painful to watch. So I kind of feel I feel for the secondary and the guys out there in, in coverage because they don't do anything to help them on the back end. So you see you see it as the secondary is bearing the brunt of it. Yeah, I, I think the secondary, you know, you got to be a little easy on them. I mean, we know it starts up front. We remember from that uh, 2017 team, that secondary, you know, they were good. They're really good, but they looked so good because, you know, we were getting to the quarterback, too. All right, man. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We'll be back to talk about Dougie P. Welcome back. I said, I got to ask you a question. How do you evaluate the performance of our head coach, Doug Peterson, this year? And what's it going to look like moving forward into next season? Well, if we're asking on like a grade system over here, I think I'm going to give him a B minus. Of course, we have a lot of games to play, so that could move up to a B. I doubt it'll move up to a B plus, but it could also move down to, you know, in the C's as well. 
But I think it's been a good change. I think the players really like him. I know I feel, the organization doesn't seem chaotic. You know what I mean? I think everyone's on the same page. I think everyone wants the same thing. I mean, if you go back a year ago at this time, it was, <laughs> I mean, there's craziness happening in the locker room and the whole organization. It was just a mess. And I feel like it's very stable right now. So I think the Jaguars are, are in the right hands with Doug Peterson. I think he's done a pretty good job. The offense looks just way better, man. Miles better. The play calling is a lot better. I know there's been some questionable decisions, but I'm happy with Doug Peterson. And it's year one, and he'll definitely be sticking around here for a little bit. I know that much. So I'm happy with him. What What do you What do you think? Curious. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So it's a leadership thing. You know, people talking about Jeff Saturday pulling off his oh, first victory this past week, coming on as a no no coaching experience in the NFL or the NCAA at, at all, right prior to that game. But yeah, Doug Peterson is a player's coach. I, I wonder if that's the ultimate aspect that a coach should have. I don't know where Bill Belichick falls in that. He doesn't seem to be a really warm guy and kind of reduces players' individuality from the second they, they get in, you know, for the, for the sake of the team effort. So there's there's kind of a counter-argument out there, I guess, that Belichick might might serve to exemplify but I see Doug is building people up, and sometimes what what more can you ask for if you are pretty much in the middle of a rebuild? I agree. We just thought the rebuild would have, happen faster than it actually is, and we got to remember that it is still a rebuild. And so you mentioned some things, the offense being pretty decent. I mean, we're a top 10 offense right now. We're leading the league in first downs, <laughs> not that we capitalize on them all the time <laughs> we have the potential to if we if we get started early you know the defense benefits right our our time of possession we start to win that battle go up early we've seen some good things this season i mean i'm i'm not against the idea that <laughs> i don't think anybody's against it that we can we can uh, pull off i mean come on man four four more wins this season huh maybe five what what how many wins do we need for this se- to for for you personally to move on with, with a positive outlook after the season? Yeah, how many games do we have left? Seven? Mm. Four and three would do it for me, I think. Four and three would be great. Now, if they go like somewhere like you know, six and one, uh, then we're talking, but that's not going to happen. So we know that. Yeah, I think it matters what happens against us, too. Like they have to beat the Titans. And I think Doug Peterson's going to understand that. Like, damn, we get like this team gets bullied by them every year you got to beat your divisional opponents. We've had all this talk about the Tennessee Titans for, for so long, but with Houston Texans, I mean, we haven't beaten them in a long time now, and we have no reason to lose to them. That's, I mean, that's already, I mean, every all, all these games seem to be must-wins if we want to do anything with the season, right? But, but that's, a, that's a big one too, man, the Texans. Why, why haven't we been able to get over that hurdle? These divisional games just must be really hard for them. I feel like the Texans have that confidence too. They're like, well, guys, you know, they go into the week like, this is the one team we know we can beat we always beat them we have their number and they're they're the jaguars you know they're the jaguars we can beat the jaguars i think that's what they think that's what you know you know my friend you met he's a texas fan he's like he's like we're bad we're the worst team in the league but we will always beat you guys that's a pretty sad state i was like oh my god why is this true this is terrible <laughs> all right so the final question for you today i said if we look ahead towards after our bye week the matchup against baltimore 
what can we do to pull off another huge upset for this season? How do we slow down Lamar Jackson? And what else would be the keys to a surprise yet very welcomed Jaguars victory? Yeah, you're just going to have to contain him, you know, kind of try to keep him in the pocket. Don't let him use his legs. You know, he can throw the ball too. I think you got to get a pass rush going, but really just uh, keep the contain, you know, keep, keep him in the pocket. Try to get some stops. And on offense, I think just keep doing what you're doing, right? You can run the ball. Their defense is pretty beat up too. Run the ball, pass when you need to. Really, it's going to be one they're they're going to have to steal out of the Ravens' hands because the Ravens are they're pretty hot and they know that they, you know, this is one that they should win. So they're going to they're gonna give it their all too. So it's going to be a tough one. I don't see the Jaguars winning it. Well, thanks so much for joining me today. And thank you listeners for joining us. This has been an episode of Drunken Jaguar. As always, you can find us on Twitter at Junkin Dragwar. We are an SB Nation and Big Cat Country podcast. Leave a review for us on the Big Cat Country page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you listen. We're excited for these last several games here this season. It does really f***ing suck that we aren't in meaningful conversation come Thanksgiving. But hopefully soon we will have things to be thankful about. Well, well, then to everyone, have a great Thanksgiving, too, and enjoy the football. It's going to be a good time, right? So holidays are here. So. Yeah, just, just just don't bring up the Jaguars at Thanksgiving table conversation. <laughs> no need to do that. Yeah, not until next year. There's always next year. Did you see that Buffalo, Minnesota game? Jesus Christ. Oh, what a weird one. I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. People are saying, oh, the best game of the year. I'm like, it had a lot of hokey moments, man. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is going on here? But that catch was incredible. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was like pinned to like three different bodies. It was like came down. And, all. and then I was like, how does he still have it in his hand? Like, how did it even get to his hand? What the <laughs> Yeah, people were like, oh, yeah, what an amazing catch. And I'm like... At what point did he catch it? <laughs> it? It didn't make sense in my brain. I can't wait for our uh, Ridley highlights next year. Dude, he's going to... Oh, my God. He's going to go off next year. That was nice as fuck. All right. Well, that's something to be thankful for next year, hopefully. <laughs>